1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Look, football, it might be over, but there's still trades happening. and college basketball, and the NHL, and the NBA, it's in full swing. So the only place you should be getting in on all these great sports is at BetOnline.ag. Like, I hope you had a pretty coin on Osaka taking down Serena last night. They got tennis, they got all kinds of sports, and they even cover awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline has hundreds of props and real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine. So head to BetOnline.ag, head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive 50% off a welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's right, at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming into the pod. Happy to have you here. I'm happy to have a guest, a man who's been behind the scenes. He's been behind the curtain of all these great episodes you've been listening to. He is a producer at the believe podcast network and he is also a founder and host of the charity stripe sports empire if you will my greek brother alex Tassopoulos, how are you my friend
0: i'm doing well that's that's high praise I right? just coming out strong right there also the listeners probably don't know this but i got to witness that uh that ad read and i had no idea that osaka beat serena so that's uh that's incredibly impressive i've been on a big tennis kick lately i've been trying to i mean we're we're both in la we were talking before the show started um and you got to get out of the house in some former fashion and so tennis has been kind of my reprieve um but i've been getting into it which is fun
1: yeah i loved watching tennis in the 90s i love the sam like the Sampras Agassiz stuff i'm kind of a homer though i only show up for like the big ticket items so last <laughs> night like osaka serena she took her 6-1 and then kind of coasted to victory there and hopefully the good people at bet online hopefully they got in on that action alex uh, yeah. My first question for you, is it possible that this is the longest two last names combined to do a pod ever, or the tacumpo brothers maybe have us edged out just a little bit?
0: If they're doing a pod, they've got everyone everyone edged out. Um, yeah, I, I can honestly say this is the first time for me hopping on a pod with a fellow Greek. Um, normally, it's with members of a different tribe. The... the the tribe of of Judaism, um, yeah. <laughs> as Josh and Nick, and, and you know various other guests that we've brought on the podcast. But so I'm I'm excited, and uh, anyone who's Greek who's listening knows that you're a part of our family too. So
1: absolutely, uh, and you know we're gonna get into the spanakopita, we're gonna get into all that stuff today. But I want to start off first. I just want you to walk through with the listeners, you know, talk to us about Charity Stripe. I mean, you guys, you guys seem like your your best friends coming together and. You know, you've got this podcast, you're now producers now for the Believe Podcast Network. Just walk us through the journey of how that sort of started and where you guys are now. Because, dude, the last six months and even beyond, like the guests that you guys have been having, it just keeps getting bigger and better and more fascinating and cooler.
0: Yeah, we've we've been really fortunate um, just being able to, from the guest part, like just being able to secure people because people are more willing to just hop on a Zoom, talk about things. Um, that's been really fortunate for us despite all the unfortunate circumstances that are you know, occurring in the world with the pandemic and whatnot. But basically with the charity stripe, yeah, we both all, it, all, all three of us, Nick and Josh, my co-hosts, um, we all went to the university of Texas in Austin and I knew Josh there. I didn't know Nick. I knew his, his now ex-girlfriend. And she introduced me to Nick like senior year and was like, Hey, like my boyfriend's moving out to LA. I know you're moving out there. Like like you guys should connect. And I was at the time kind of like, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Uh, um, and then we finally, you know, we all got out here and LA is a really big city. And so you, you just generally gravitate towards the the people you have some sort of common thread with. We all, you know, we're all actors and we're all kind of producers and, and, co- and content creators in general. And uh, we, we got in touch out here and we've kind of been inseparable since. So you know, we started doing the podcast, Josh started doing the podcast by himself. He was, he he did probably, you know, five or seven episodes by himself. And then he brought Nick and I on just kind of as, as guests. And then it turned into us becoming co-hosts. And now here we are, I think last night we recorded our 309th episode. So uh, it's been some time (laughs) we've been together. We've been through all the trials and tribulations. I'm sure you can attest to uh, just being a podcast host in general. You know, re-recording episodes. Uh, last <laughs> night we re-recorded our intro. The first 15 minutes, probably three times, because of connection issues. But uh, no, it's been an enjoyable ride, and we're we're still doing it. So that's something that's uh, you know we can we can be proud of. We go every every Monday and Thursday, new episodes, and a variety of you know sports talk, pop culture talk. Just because we all love sports, we're big sports junkies. Um, Nick played at, at UT. Played, he walked on for football there. Josh is our statistician of the group. And then I played the high school basketball and that's about it. Uh, but we all love sports and, and, you know, we, we love interviewing former current athletes. Um, we got a chance to talk to Austin Eckler last month. That was really cool. And so, and Nick Hardwick, I guess we're just kind of rotating our chargers. Um, but no, we've got a lot of great guests on and it's been a really fun ride. So anyone who's interested in, in checking out another podcast, I know you can only listen to so many. Here's one. We
1: got time on our hands. We got time on yeah, our hands. We do. Yeah, we,
0: everyone has plenty of time on their hands. So yeah. Yeah. Go check out the charity stripe. Um, you, you hopefully won't be disappointed.
1: Well, and regardless too, it's just a great Instagram follow. I mean, you guys do great stuff in your stories where you can weigh in with some 50 fifties and some different polling right. questions. And as you've been mentioning, yeah, you know, Mugsy Bogues, Matthew McConaughey was also a recent guest on your pod too, as well. I mean, the was, the guests yeah. keep getting better and better. Super happy for you guys, and you guys have a great chemistry. For the three of you guys, was it was it bro love at first sight? Was was it was the chemistry there right away? Because I'll be honest, some of my best friends in my life now, when I first met them in college, I didn't really like them at first. You know what I mean? Like you're kind of like, okay, guy, whatever. But then you become yeah. best friends. You, how how did was it? You know, were there sparks right away?
0: I mean, I I mentioned kind of my first thoughts about Nick before I had met him, right? I was kind of like, all right, this guy wants to move out to LA to be an actor. At the time, I did not want to act. I wanted to move out to LA to work just in the business side of entertainment. So, you know, I kind of maybe <laughs> put my nose up a little bit and was like, oh, you being an actor is so difficult. And now here I am actually trying to do it. So um, I guess, I don't know, things change. But meeting Nick and Josh, again, it was like circumstance, we kind of were just like thrown together and, you know, you had this common thread and there was no reason for any of us to like dislike each other because we all liked the same things. Um, and Josh and I had gotten into multiple conversations just about basketball when, when we were first out here and he was like, you know what, like we should just talk on the mic about this instead of going back and forth for an hour about who we actually think should be top three in the MVP race or, or whatever that conversation was. Um, or him picking Virginia. We were just giving him some shit for this the other day, but him picking Virginia to win the March Madness tournament when they got bounced in the first round, he was a massive advocate for that team the entirety of the year. And he even bought like a Virginia t-shirt. He has no affiliation to the state of Virginia. His parents yeah. didn't go to college there. I, I don't even he's, think he's, he applied he's like a
1: poly. He's a poly fan, right? Like he loves, he just loves getting gear, right? He's a, like, yeah, that, he's that, definitely that Josh's like a, game, yeah.
0: he's a merch head. Um, yeah, yeah. He, yeah, any sort of gear for teams like the other day he's wearing, he's got a massive hat collection. Um, it's got like 79 or something, I think is the running count of various different teams. He's got a few teams that he strays away from because they have, you know, their rivals or opponents or whatever team he, he loves. Um, but he was wearing a Mavericks hat the other day when we went to Trader Joe's to pick up groceries. And I was like, quit wearing my team. Like, don't, you can wear whatever you want. <laughs> just don't wear my team. Uh, you
1: know? Who do you think you are uh, going right. out like that? What, what are you doing here? Put on your Spurs I mean, shit. Yeah, exactly.
0: Put the Spurs hat on. Cause what happens when someone comes up to you and they want to talk Mavs basketball, you're somewhat qualified, but you're less qualified than I am in that regard. So it, no, it's, it's fun. We, we have a good time. I mean, I just mentioned, we went and got groceries together. We live together. I was telling you before the show started. So clearly we're, we're all still great friends and, and things are, uh, things are cooking.
1: So it's good. Yeah. And I, I, I've had a great experience, uh, not just interacting obviously with you, but also with Josh, we had Josh on the pod, maybe four or five months ago. He was a great guest too, as well. I just really like what you guys are bringing to the table. You guys work really hard at it and you're doing a great job for the believe podcast network, which I enjoy. I do want to talk to you though, about more of a common interest that we have. Let's talk about some sports, man. Cause we got some Let's news today.
0: We did. We did. This is
1: hot. This is hot off the press. This is hot off the press right here. Carson Wentz is on the move. He's going to the Indianapolis Colts. This is Believe in Betting Chicago podcast. I think we've talked about Carson Wentz a couple of times here on this pod about the possibility of him going to Chicago. Just your initial reaction of the haul that the Eagles are getting back and Carson Wentz as a fit in Indianapolis.
0: So remind me, it's a, it's a second rounder and a future first. Is that what it is? What? So
1: if I understand correctly, and again, this is not fully confirmed, so this might get fleshed out a little bit more by the time the pod comes out, but I understand it's a third round pick and then a second round pick. Conditional turns into a first round pick if you play 75% of the games and or the Colts go to the playoffs next year.
0: There's a good chance for both of those things. Yes. Um, you're trading for the guy so he can come in and, and start. Obviously, he's got the previous relationship with Frank Reich. Um, I think it's great for them. I think, you know, they're already a team that has a a dynamite offensive line, a good run game where you get with a rotation put in place, right? Max going to come back from injury. Um, Jonathan Taylor, obviously was one of the the breakout rookies last year, among uh, many others. There were so many good rookies last year, but um, yeah, my initial reaction is it seems to be the best possible thing that Carson Wentz could have asked for because, everyone's so critical of him and, and rightly so for a lot of it, but, you know, he definitely is in, in some sort of funk at the end of last season. Uh, Jalen Hurts takes the job and then Wentz is coming back in and they're back and forth and, you know, the everything with Doug Peterson and all, and all that stuff was just a total mess. So I think he's got to feel really good about it. And the Eagles can kind of just move on from him. They move away from that contract. They get something in return one of which could possibly be a first round pick. So I, I, I think it's, it's good for both sides. It's a bummer for your bears because he seemed like a, uh, an upgrade. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts and opinions are, but he, he's definitely an upgrade in my opinion from Mitch and, um, and Foles as well. His pedigree and his youth and his talent, it, he would have been a good fit, especially for, you know, the down, the downfield thrower that he is with the new wide receivers that are in there. Obviously we'll see what happens with Allen Robinson. If he's going to, stay around or not. Um, But would have been a good fit. So I'm bummed for you guys, but I I, I'm curious to see what y'all do now because things are crazy. It doesn't look like y'all can put together a package for Deshaun Watson. that's going to be too enticing for them. I I was, I was reading uh, earlier today that the Panthers are trying to make moves for him and they actually could put together a pretty decent package. Um, we'll, We'll see the jets obviously can throw a shit ton of first round picks at the Texans. Um, Yeah. What, what do you think about the Wentz move and what, what this means for Chicago?
1: Well, uh, first on the Indy side, this seems like this was the fait accompli even sometime last year, once Wentz was benched, it's like, Oh, Frank Reich's in Indiana, Philip Rivers is on the way out. This all makes a lot of sense. So there isn't a big part uh, element of surprise there. I do like Michael Pittman a lot too, as well, like that big, maybe Alshon Jeffrey type receiver that Carson Wentz can now have next year. And in terms of compensation, eventually I'm with you. I think it will turn into a first round pick. It does seem like it's worth it at the end of the day. I agree with you that Carson Wentz is a complete upgrade over Mitch Trubisky complete upgrade over Nick Foles, but it started, the tea leaves started kind of, if you were reading them a little bit, it just didn't seem like he wanted to come to Chicago. The offers were there. I mean, the, It was confirmed kind of across the board that the Bears had offered a first round pick, not a conditional like this is a first round pick. Right. So now what's going on there? Is there something going on with Carson Wentz where he doesn't want to come to Chicago? Is there a situation where maybe someone in the Bears organization, maybe someone does want him? Maybe someone doesn't want him. I know that Matt Nagy has more of an input and say. Than, than more most coaches do in terms of how he collaborates right. with the general manager. I'm not I'm not that upset. I, I'm telling you right now, my Bears fans I, this morning already are being like I don't
0: think you should be. I don't think I don't you should. Think... I think like look, I just said he's better than Mitch Trubisky, but he also lost the starting job. Yeah, that's not saying much. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, like that's
1: like, still not saying a lot. Yeah.
0: Like he has to, he's gotta go and play 75% of those games for that that pick, like you said, to turn into a first-round pick. My My gut check reaction is he will find his form once again because he's being put in a really good situation. But there's no guarantee, right? He still has to go and make the plays and cut down on those turnovers, you know, the decisions to hold on to the ball and try and make something happen. Like, I think he's going to have to take a little bit of a step back and be more of a more of that game manager type of quarterback for this team because they've got everything put in place for him. The defense is there. The O, like I said, the O line is there. The run game is there. They've got a guy like Pittman who could kind of mature into that that f- wide receiver one. They've got a deep threat downhill with Ty and Pascal is good too. I mean, they've got they've got a really really good roster all across the board. So if I'm him, I think it's yeah, it's a great position. Especially if you're looking at Chicago and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get Allen Robinson. I I know I'm getting Darnell Mooney. That's great. But I don't know what, else, what other kind of help I'm going to get. Like it's a it's a position where I could have seen him going and not being successful. So I think you guys can you guys can be okay with what's happened here.
1: Yeah, I, I'm also starting to think maybe there was an element of there's such a big shadow cast over Chicago and quarterbacks because we've just never had one before. And if you right. are Carson Wentz, I can't confirm or deny whether his off the field stuff, the the, the leadership issues, the diva stuff is leaked out. But if any of a kernel of that is true why would he want to go to Chicago, a place that would just be as critical of him as they probably have been in Philadelphia? For Indy, is Carson Wentz an upgrade over Phillip Rivers?
0: Yeah, I, I think so. But I, is it I mean,
1: marginally or is it is it a clear-cut clear cut upgrade?
0: I mean, the ceiling, again, we got to watch him play, but the ceiling of the, the upgrade is, yeah, pretty vast in my opinion, um, especially just watching, you know, you can only watch so many games over the NFL season. Um, you try and watch all of them. But I partially because Nick is such a big, uh, such a big Chargers fan. Now, LA Chargers. I almost said San Diego. I always do that. But um, so, so we ended up watching a lot of Phil's games this year and last year. Um, and he was just, he was past it. So I, I think that Wentz is twenty eight. Like, yeah. finally, the the crazy mechanics of his throwing motion, like, actually
1: came came into fruition. Turn, turned into it.
0: what I was watching. Like, I was like, how, you know. Seven years ago, I was like, how the hell does he throw the ball that far like that? I don't get it. And and finally, last year, I'm like, okay, he throws like that and it doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. There you go. But um, no, I, I think it's a clear upgrade. I think it's, he's young. If he turns things around, again, it's just really the mental the mental aspect of things. And I agree with you. It's a, it would have been a huge risk for Chicago to, to bring that in. Um, in a big football, in a massive football city where You're going to be under the limelight and you're going to be, you got to be able to take some, some critical, you know, some mental blows here and there. Um, So they need a guy that can step in there and be just like, you know, wearing those Bose audio canceling headphones and just go to work and really not pay any attention to what the media is is talking about to that particular individual. Because I feel like Mitch is susceptible to it too, obviously.
1: Oh, yeah. And unfortunately, he kind of crumbled. I mean, literally in the preseason for this Bears season, this past one, we were talking about, you know, would no fans in the stands actually help out Mitch Trubisky? And honestly, I kind of feel like it did. Now, he didn't play great yeah. football, but he played, I feel like, marginally better than he did the year before, kind of because of what you're talking about. That type of pressure wasn't there in surrounding him. Keeping it on the Bears side, would you trade a first round pick for Derek Carr? Is that
0: what he's worth? Sure.
1: Sure. So would you do it? Right.
0: Right. But that, yeah, doing it, executing on that is a completely different notion. And do you need to like how much, again, you're talking about marginal upgrades. Like that is, in my opinion, way more of a marginal upgrade than Philip Rivers to Carson Wentz. Um, I'm not, I, again, it's like the inconsistency factor with Mitch Trubisky, feels like it's the same thing with Derek Carr. Maybe he's a little bit more consistent, but he's limited in like in what his ceiling can be game in game out. Um he doesn't throw the the deep ball very well. And again, we we're talking about a guy, Darnell Mooney. You don't know if Allen Robinson's kind of coming back. You need to maximize what Mooney's talent is. Um, no, I i just I don't think it's the it's the move. If they want to and, and even if you keep Foles or you keep Trubisky, you keep one of them, it's kind of the repeat of what we saw this past year with the Bears, where it's like you've got two quarterbacks who aren't distinguishable, like one isn't distinguishably better than the others so why are we really doing this
1: and, and also two different styles know, that honestly aren't really very efficient
0: <laughs> n- no not at all and we know that naggy is on kind of a tight leash anyway like he needs to make a move that is either going to give him more time by working backwards a little bit and, and looking for the future um or he's got to just completely upgrade where everyone sees it and goes okay the quarterback question mark is no longer an issue but I don't really know how he's going to do that now with the availability outside of a guy like Deshaun Watson. Who else can you really go and get that, Russell that Wilson. really changes things? That's interesting. I I've, I've vehemently believe that there's no way he leaves Seattle. There's no way. You think he could?
1: I think that there's a world where – so here's here's just my thought process on it. I'm not saying that I, I think it would get, it's going to happen or anything like that. But as you mentioned, you're, you're making a great point. Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, they're on the hot seat, right? Everyone thought they were going to get canned. They're coming back for a year. So yeah. now they're in a situation where they're in this Carson Wentz discussion. They're in this Derek Carr discussion and they're throwing first round picks around and everyone's losing their mind. It didn't work out with Carson Wentz, but what it is telling us about the Bears is that they are committed to spending capital to get somebody, which does, in theory, put you in the Deshaun Watson category, even though I agree with you. Our hall would be wouldn't be as big as what other teams can give. The only thing that we'd be giving is, you know, Hey, we're in the Chicago market and Hey, our team is better than the Panthers and the jets. Not by much, but it's, that's a fact. So if we're already playing in that deep end and there's a world where Russell Wilson is now talking about his offensive line for the first time ever. And then there's a little blowback with the Seattle Seahawks organization about, well, why is Ross saying this? And I'm just saying that the bears would be making that phone call, right?
0: Well, they've clearly, they're making as many phone calls as they can.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, they are on the Tinder of quarterbacks right now and they're just swiping through and it's Russ and it's like, no (laughs) way we got a shot at Russ. I'm just going to connect with them and we'll see, you know what I mean? We'll just see see what happens. And so, uh, you know, I think that they're expanding and exploring all different avenues to figure something out. The question is, are how hardcore are they going to overpay can they have actual discipline? Because I'm with you. I don't think they can run it back with a Nick Foles and sign, whatever, Ryan Fitzpatrick, or I don't know, trade for Gardner Minshew for a fifth round pick because Trevor, you know, I don't think that they can do that. So I think they're in the big swing territory. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if we're going to talk about Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson's right there too, as well. And I think the bears would be one of the few teams that'd be like, Hey, we'll spend three first round picks on a 32 year old quarterback. We would do that tomorrow. Yeah. And that, that leaves it up there.
0: Obviously you're going to have to give that up. If not more than that for Russell Wilson. Well, it might be Khalil.
1: It might be Khalil Mack in multiple first round. Right. For real. But again, you guys,
0: you guys are totally willing to do that. Yes. Look how much you slung to go get Khalil Mack. So it was a lot. It was a lot. It's pretty crazy. I feel like we haven't, I feel like we're always kind of doing this right. Like the next, Two years down the line, we're going to look at the NFL, probably the NBA as well, and maybe even the MLB and be like, wow, have we ever seen such a blockbuster deal being made? Like every single offseason, I feel like it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, um, which is kind did of you crazy. See,
1: it's like, did you see this guy signed a 27-year deal for <laughs> like the Fernando Tatis yesterday?
0: Unbelievable. 14
1: yeah. years. It's it's a hockey contract. It, it's incredible. And I, I'm in agreement with you. It just keeps getting bigger. And, you know, more uh, more gaudy, I guess. What do you
0: think about that contract? Do you have any, any at, first, Nick, at first? Nick was stokes. Nick is a massive Padres yeah, fan.
1: First, first blush. You see the numbers and you're like, whoa, holy shit. My first thought is I can't think off the top of my head a contract that goes beyond eight years that's ever worked out before. I do want to wait and see because there's got to be tons of opt outs in there. Right. I mean, the, the average salary is about 24 million. Is it front loaded? Is it back loaded? What does it look like? Is he going to play all 14 years with the San Diego Padres? I highly doubt it. But even what's crazy about that is he could play for them until he's like 29, 28. You know what I mean? 30 years old, play eight years into that contract, get traded, and still have a six-year deal on top of that. That's mind-blowing to me. I just don't see a world where that that contract gets wrapped up. But I think it's actually a great move for the Padres and for Fernando Tatis. And from a Chicago angle, real quick, Fernando Tatis was in the White Sox organization. I'll tell you right. something right now: he never would have gotten 340 million from the White Sox. So I guess it all worked out for everybody, and I'm happy for him. What What do you think about it? 14 years, 340 million.
0: I said this on our pod, but from like the optics standpoint, the real winner of this are Padres fans. Oh, Anyone great who's call! A Padres fan has to be ecstatic about this because you're you're getting probably. A top three, one of the top three young superstars, if not number one, right? Out of those guys, I'd probably put him, it's between him and Nakuna for me. Um, Yeah, he's on the look, cover
1: of the MLB The Show. You know what I mean? He's yeah, on the cover of video games now.
0: I mean, the marketability of it, and for a team that has been known to kind of just be wheeling and dealing all the time, moving prospects around, moving guys in and out. They never had the bankroll that a team like, you know, the Yankees or uh, – who, who, there's only a few teams that have the, that type of bankroll and the Padres are not one of them they're never top five in in money spent on players and for them to make this kind of move really especially with how good the Dodgers are right now they have to be as competitive as possible and I think they might be like migrating into that territory where they now are for the next you know 10 years I mean the The thought is because you have Fernando Tatis for the next 10 years, you'll be competing at least for the pennant race and possibly for a world series, almost every single year, depending on what your pitching is. And they went and spent a lot on pitching and now they have a a pretty solid roster. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be really excited for to be a Padres fan right now in a city that just, again, like I just mentioned, like they, their football team got taken away from them, you know, like, They only have so much. Um, (laughs) They
1: got a a beautiful harbor. They got a great zoo. They got some cool restaurants, cool downtown area. No, it's an amazing city. Yeah, they deserve a great team. It's a long time since like the Kevin Brown, Ken Caminiti, Greg Vaughn days of when they went to the World Series. Yeah, cool ballpark, great fan base. What's your take on just in general? Just looks like the narrative has been this offseason that the teams like the Padres, teams like the Blue Jays, teams like our White Sox, those middle tier teams have been the ones that have been kind of spending and putting assets into their ball club while other teams, you know, the big market guys, the Cubs is an easy example, but just go around the league. Any big market team really hasn't been spending a lot of money. Do you typically like seeing, you know, the Yankees, well, like I think, stocks, the behemoths spending money, or do you like it that the middle um, team is trying to, trying to get in the mix?
0: Like we always, as sports fans, want parity, but based off of just numbers and financials, there they're kind of can't be. Up to a point where a team that's in the a mid market team, and they, this happens in basketball too, drafts a player or secures a young talent who they can build around. So I'm all for that. And all three of those organizations, the White Sox, the Blue Jays, and the Padres, have those young superstars, or at least what seems to be young superstars. Tatis obviously is, but other guys like like that's what Tim Anderson's becoming, right? And then you've got you've got all of the the sons of Bobasch Guerrero, yeah, yeah, yeah. right, <laughs> all those be guys all those guys up in, in uh, Toronto. And so you want to spend around those guys to make sure that one, they want to stay right. And and they're good players. So they're going to help you compete. So really like you want to, you don't want to compete for one year, have your championship run. And then if you don't get it, cause odds are, you're not going to get it. You don't want that to be kind it's of really case. hard to do. Yeah. Right. Right. So you want to build for the future while building for the now at the same time. And if you, the, the way you do that is by you secure, young talented players and I think that's what they've done and then you spend on the veterans to support them and uh you know take them to the promised land so I'm I'm all for it um and I love mid mid-market teams spending big to compete with you know these top level teams of course the Dodgers and the Yankees are still going to go get those the people that they can outpay right and, and they're always going to bring it like the the Bauer deal is is crazy almost. It's it's wild. But now you look at the Dodgers and you're like, how do they not win back to back? How do they not do it? And I think their biggest contender will probably be the but do- be the Padres. So I, I'm down for it. I, anything to make baseball more exciting to the non-baseball fan too is, is really great. And I think sometimes slinging around cash uh, helps people uh, pay attention.
1: Yeah, especially with the bigger name clubs. If they're not really spending a lot of money, we all know who they are. It's kind of nice to have, you know, those Padres, those White Sox, like get up and kind of like rise up a little bit into that forefront and into the eye of, yeah, maybe like you said, the casual fan. I'm going to get – we're going to get to some hoops. I want to talk to some hoops with you. But first, just kind of rope back to football. One more question on football because I know you watch mm. a ton more college football than I do. I'm just going to go out there on a limb. Maybe. maybe. I, I don't want. I don't watch that much. What is your general take on Mac Jones? As a Chicago Bears angle, if you look up a mock draft right now, you can find him going anywhere from eight to twenty. Bears yeah. pick twentieth this year. You know, 20, there's that's also surprising. I
0: I've been looking a lot recently, and he's he's falling further down because um, yeah. I think some of these skilled position players. You know, we we always we're always talking about the quarterbacks at the beginning, right? And then we start to see guys in the combine. We start to see what their skills are. We start to watch more tape, and they end they end up kind of rising in those ranks. I've been seeing well, y'all's pick is what the 19th pick. We're 20. Right? You're 20. Um, most of the mocks that I've seen y'all, y'all are taking offensive linemen. Um, Which
1: I'm cool with, but I'm, yeah, that's I'm great. just curious. Do you, do you like Mac Jones as a quarterback? Do you think he's worth that first round gamble? You know, great stats I, I think on if, Alabama. I think if, a great team.
0: I, if, if it comes to your pick at 20, I probably wouldn't take him there. I would either trade back and get him at, at around 25, 26 and kind of, you risk your odds there. I mean, you're, you're most of those teams have quarterbacks anyway, right at the end of the draft. So, you know, you can trade back and kind of ensure that you can still get him. If he's your guy. Um, I, I like Mac Jones a lot. I think he's got, I mean, we talk about great composure, talk about having a really good personality. Um, he crushes in the interviews. He's, you know, he's obviously a winner, right? He just won a national championship. They don't bring those guys into Alabama if they, if they can't kind of lead that team, um, and he was really impressive with his arm. I mean, he's not mobile by any means. So you kind of lose that from what you have with Mitch. He but that's the work. way of
1: the sports world, right? When it doesn't work out one way, sometimes you go the inverse, right? When you when you right, bring right. A player coach, the next time you bring in like the taskmaster. You know. Well, it's,
0: it, I mean, it's it's funny like if this were 15 years ago, would he be a top would he be a top 7 pick? Probably, just by his skill set. But now we get into the the dream prospect of like we want that Zach Wilson who can scramble and create or Trey Lance Ooh. right or Trey Lance because they remind us of Patrick Mahomes who we have deemed as the best in the league I guess even though he just lost to I mean he, he definitely is the best quarterback in the league but Tom Brady is just unbelievable he's not unbelievable because how can I say that he's won so many times well it's Patrick Mahomes
1: Patrick Mahomes can win twenty Super Bowls and everyone will always say he couldn't beat Brady and that's going to be tough in the bar conversation well you I would I will never say that.
0: he's not going to win 20 super bowls but But he wins 20 super bowls i'm going to give him the edge over seven
1: more likely more likely 25 will probably do it for me alex he's got to get to 25. he's got to get (laughs) 25
0: more more likely tom brady will get to 20 super bowls and patrick mahomes will get to seven because there's there's no way he can win 20 until brady gets out of the league it's very true
1: it's crazy it's wild and that's probably very true
0: um but i think that no i think mac jones is a it's always a risk taking quarterbacks. Um, So if you can trade back and get something else to, to get him, I think, um, why not, why not do it? Um, I like him though. I, I would not, you guys have to make some move for the future, right? So he seems like a good option. That's a reasonable guy that you can get without having, having to give up too much to either jump to, you know, a top five spot or trading the entire farm for one of these other guys. Yeah. Of and course that's you do me. it for, you do it for Wilson. You do it for, for Watson, um, Watson. For sure. But we just, we just don't know right now. It doesn't seem like that's a, that's a true possibility.
1: Well, me. I I'm enjoying your perspective because I think the fear for bears fans would be that we would trade up again to select a quarterback and whether it is, you know, whether it is Mac Jones or even if it was a guy like Justin Fields, we are very, very skeptical skeptical of our general manager scouting quarterbacks in college and then bringing them into our system. So spending more capital to move up wouldn't be something that I think Bears fans would want to hear. What you're saying, right. though, is that if he is available at 20 or even trade back to that 24-25 area, I think all of a sudden that would give something that Bears fans could probably get a little bit more excited about.
0: Yeah, and I'm always for the kind of train of thought that like if you can get that same guy while getting something else with it, do it. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you look and see what the Broncos did, right? Like is drew lock really the guy. Probably not, but they did not have to pick him in the first round two years ago. They got to wait until the second round. They picked him at what spot like 45 or something. You know, that they were absolutely ecstatic because of what they got to get in the first round while not giving up anything to go get him again. Like people are, you know, they're valuing Mac Jones in a different way than they were valuing drew lock. Um, but it's a similar kind of, I think it's a little bit of a similar situation because he's not the top three, right? He's not in that top three, but he could be performance-wise by the end of his career. Like I, I he feels um, he feels like a good gamble for them, for the Bears.
1: We've got to take a quick break here on Believe in Betting Chicago to talk about our new sponsor. It's eBay sneakers. Now, whether you're rare, Deadstock, or the latest release, find the exact shoe you've been looking for right on eBay is the original sneaker marketplace ebay is the place to go to cop the pair you've been eyeing for a very very long time with ebay's authenticity guarantee your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators a team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box the logo the stitching and dozens of other inspection points each sneaker also receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity and it also protects sellers with a verified return process did i say authentic enough because it is. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So what are you waiting for? Go to ebay.com slash sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Now back to the pod. Let's switch over to hoops. Let's wrap up with a little basketball talk here real quick. Um, I love asking you these questions because you know we're all sports fans. I think in one way or another, we get kind of caught in our own little bubbles a little bit of what we think about a player. And then when you kind of hear from other people around the league, you might hear a little bit of a different perspective. So let me phrase it to you specifically like this, not whether he is or should be. Do you think Zach Levine will be an all-star this season?
0: I did. I did a lot of deep dive. I I did a deep dive into this. My favorite sport is basketball. As I mentioned, I I played in high school and um, that's the sport I have, like the biggest connection to. I was, I was saying, you know, I have been picking up tennis here and there in, in, in the pandemic. Um, just with what's available in Los Angeles, if the courts were open, I would be shooting by myself almost every single day. It's like, it's my therapy. Like I love, I love, oh, it. yeah. I
1: still go to the batting cages every once in a while or when I could, I, I love getting cuts in same way.
0: Yeah. Zach Levine, I, short answer. I think he's actually not going to make the all-star game this year. And whether that's a
1: lot of talent, it's just,
0: it's just a tough, it's a tough thing to do to make the all-star game. And I really compared to last year with Bradley Beal was Bradley Beal deserving of being an all-star last year. Yes. He was averaging 30 points per game or like 28 and a half, which is basically what Levine's averaging right now on a, on a team that was not very good. And the bulls are a little bit better than what the wizards were last year. Um, But again, you know, a team that's on the fringe of the playoff hunt right now, definitely not one of the top six teams in the East and will not finish in the top 6 in the east there's there's no doubt about that in my mind unfortunately i i just don't think he's going to make it i think he is he's absolutely deserving it's the best season he's put together he's averaging like 28 5 and 5 and is shooting 50% for, uh, over 50% from the field over 40 he's shooting 43% from 3 with the volume of shots that he takes it's unbelievable the efficiency is is crazy um, he, the only thing he doesn't have from the 50, 40, 90 is the 90% of the free throw line. And he's shooting like 84 from there. So you can't really complain about that. Um, but you look at the other guys and you, you look at kind of how positions really hurt his chances, especially in the Eastern Conference. And for me, I was, you know, you got to get your five starters out of the way. And I think it's going to be Beal, Brown, Jalen Brown from Boston, Durant, Embiid, and Giannis. And then, you know, you only have two more guard slots in the reserves and then you have two wild card slots. So those two guard slots are going to go if one of them might be in the starters but Harden might be a starter and if he's not a starter then Browns one of the guards in the reserves and Kyrie's I was gonna say, gonna Kyrie Kyrie's missing yeah. time
1: but his numbers are still very all-star unbelievable worthy. unbelievable and Trey so, Young is at 29 and 9 And that's and season. that's
0: right and that's who I think take that's who kind of moves um Levine out of things is Trey Young and I think the only kind of differentiating factor between the two guys is one it which is unfair because Trey Young is a terrible defender as well Zach Levine is not a good defender everyone always rags him on his defense Trey Young I don't know if you've seen the the like offensive rating numbers for the Hawks when Trey Young is not on the court but they're averaging less than 100 points per 100 points per possession whatever like the O rating is or whatever normally teams are around like like the Mavs were the best in history last year they were at like 116 um, good teams are between like 110, 110 and like 113. The Hawks without Trae Young on the court under 100. So points points per 100 possessions, I think is what it is, which is really bad. Um, it's abysmal. So, and if you look at them in, in the context of the rest of the NBA, they are like middle of the pack offensively. It's literally only because of Trae Young. Not to discredit anything Zach is doing on the offensive side of the ball, but the Hawks are, are looked at as more of a, Playoff contender, more of more of as a threat. Trey Young was an all-star starter last year. So that definitely, definitely goes into things. And when 50% of the all-star votes are from the fans, fans like Trey Young more than they like Zach Levine, which is just that additionally adds way, way more. I know a lot of coaches don't like Trey Young because of the way that he kind of you know, tries to get foul. And calls maybe some and guys on
1: his own team too. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> and
0: and I don't necessarily disagree with them. It sometimes can be kind of frustrating watching that team play. Um, I would much rather watch the bulls play than the Hawks play, to be honest, the way that it's a bunch of young guys and they're, they're playing with nothing to lose the
1: ball, the ball movement and, and the way that Billy Donovan has this offense is like a top five scoring offense right now in the league. It's I gotta be honest. Better. It's been a breath of fresh air They're They got a long way to go a long, yeah. long, long way to go. But in, Contrast to like the past couple seasons under Jim Boylan, it's like holy shit. This actually looks like yeah, basketball. Wow,
0: it's looked it's looked way way better. And we'll see what happens. Like this coming year, we lose that massive uh, Otto Porter contract. Right, that's gone. That's huge. We'll see what happens with Laurie marketing He's a restricted free agent, but like, do the Bulls really want to match that? I wouldn't if I were the Bulls. No, the, guy, they,
1: the Kings he, are going to offer him seventy five, and we're going to be like, see ya. You know, what right? I mean? like, and then
0: he'll go, he'll go. Rot in Sacramento, and nothing will ever come of his career. He he can't stay on the field. He can't stay on the floor, and he honestly just has not been good when he has played this year. Um, but the Kobe White Zach Levine kind of one-two punches. great.
1: Yeah. So the reason why I asked that is because, for me personally, I think we both can agree that Zach Levine has had an All Star season. For right? sure. But in terms of like the constraints, I'm trying to just prepare Bulls fans now that if he doesn't make the All Star squad. It isn't some sort of like crazy ultimate snub of any kind. It's just that the East is really deep this year, and now that James Harden's in Brooklyn, it's almost like he's getting squeezed out a little bit. And yeah, no, that doesn't take anything away from Zach. Zach's having a great, great year. But if he doesn't make the All Star team, it doesn't, you know, mean anything. You know what I mean? Well,
0: yeah. I I mean, I was looking at the number. Like this might be Zach Levine's best season of his entire career by far. And he might make the he might make the All Star game next year with a with a worse season. Like it's happened before for multiple players in the league.
1: Yeah, and what what, I mean could it actually if the let's just say let's just say the Bulls got hot a little bit. I think they're like three games under five hundred right now. Let's just say they got hot and they were maybe a game or two over five hundred towards when they actually selected the roster. Would that give him a little bit of a better shot? For for sure, maybe right? You know, no, I
0: think so because I think you look at. He's not going to get in one of those guard spots, the the guard reserves, but he has a chance of like, I'm not going to be surprised if he's picked over Trey Young uh, in that wild card spot. The other guy in the other wild card spot is Ben Simmons. And you talk about a player who's getting hot at the right time. First 10 games of the season. If anyone had put him there, you would have been like, what are you talking about? This is Joel Embiid's team. But you look and see what he did. We scored 40 plus points, all of it in the paint, by the way, that game was ridiculous um, and, and you talk about, you know, this is a guy that's been talked about, Ben Simmons, as one of the best two-way players in the in the entire NBA since he was a rookie, like since before he really even played. Um, so some of those guys just draw more attention from coaches, from fans, from the media who are all voting. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Zach Lafine is doing the best that he can to garner as much attention for himself and the Bulls, game in, game out.
1: In terms of the Bulls moving forward heading towards a trade deadline, you know, do you see that as the type of team that could, that should stay together to get, get as many games as they possibly can under their belt as kind of a scouting sort of seeing where they are. I just noticed that Zach Levine is the soup du jour of trade rumors. If you go to any blog in the NBA right now, like the Cavaliers, the Knicks, the Pelicans, the Kings, they're all like, well, let's just trade for Zach Levine, you know, and they're all, he's the main guy that they throw there in the trade engine. You know, do you see Zach Levine staying with the Bulls? Could that be a team that could be on the move at the trade deadline? What are you thinking?
0: I am of the opinion that the Bulls should not trade Zach because of what he's doing for this team. And I I put a lot of importance when I'm evaluating teams. What does my evaluation mean? Not much, but (laughs) on players being able to be hyper competitive and to be clutch. And that's one thing that anyone who's watched any Bulls games over the last two years can recognize in Zach Levine. He is an elite competitor. I mean you talk about a guy who having all of these trade rumors does not really bat an eye and he kind of just goes to work every single day and he's putting together one of his, his best season ever. Um if he can give you if you bring other guys around him, he's not going to be putting up these type of numbers just from a strict volume standpoint. Um but it does seem to me that you know he's young and he is nearing that kind of precipice of superstar. He's definitely a star. Um, unfortunately, in our predictions, he, he might not be an all-star, but, he, but it, it wouldn't surprise me. And he would be very deserving if he was given that status. Um, so I think, how can you get rid of your, your leading asset for a team that has a lot of other young pieces Again, like I mentioned, you're losing Otto Porter's contract. That's a lot of money you can sling around. And you're not a mid-market team. You're the Chicago Bulls. You are a place where you can actually nab free agents who just want to come and play in Chicago. You don't have to build your entire team through the draft. You need to hit on your draft picks. There are some teams that cannot bring a massive free agent to to their team, nor will they ever be able to. And that's, you know, talk about, like we mentioned the Kings, right? The Kings are never going to pull in a, a massive free agent. It's never going to happen. And hopefully someone else gets drafted with the Aaron Fox because he's a tremendous talent. And I don't want to see him just kind of play his entire career out in Sacramento and not even sniff the playoffs, but like three or four man. times.
1: Yeah. How many players have we kind of sort of said that about, you know, man, I don't want to see him waste his career on the Sacramento Kings, you know, and it's just, it's on and on and on with that franchise
0: and things can change, right? Like the Blazers, you know, Damian Lillard now getting into kind of that veteran status is now contending, I guess, contending year in, year out. Um, he's still kind of, it's a fringe contention, right? I just, uh, I think you kind of have to stand put if you're the Bulls and really just try and get as many great young pieces as you possibly can and let Zach be that guy that's that's the leader um, in the locker room. I guess the real kind of tricky situation is when Next year is up, right? If you hold on to him, what is he asking for? Is he asking for a super max deal? Does he deserve a super max deal? That's tough. That's and a really he, tough.
1: He's also he he's eligible to actually sign a one hundred fifty million dollar deal this year instead of the one eighty nine, one ninety three, or whatever that max deal is. And I would kind right. of really push towards locking him up in that one the one fifty area. I think that's that's where yeah. he, he should be.
0: I just think that unfortunately he's not going to be valued in a trade at what he's worth to your team and to what he's worth the bulls. And so you're not for me, like
1: it's at the point where it'd be, it'd have to be like a Bradley Beal, like no joke. Like I think he's gotten up to that level where like, you're not just throwing me your scraps and your shitty contracts and maybe your first round pick and your protected top four and 20, none of that stuff. He's kind of sort of playing himself into that area, which is good for him. Right. Well,
0: and he's not there yet, right? But he's heading on that same trajectory, and he's getting better every single year. And again, Bradley Beal had the numbers to be an All Star last year. He did not get it because he was the best player on the Wizards, who are not a good team. Now, Bradley Beal is going to be a starter in the All Star game. I, I thirty three points a
1: game will do that. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. For sure, and and, who and, knows and Beal's way exactly, better than Zach Levine. I'm not trying he, to insinuate. He definitely that, but. is,
0: but I he definitely is. But I think to your point, like Zach Levine's still still very young. He is not Bradley Beal's age. Who's what, like 27, 28. Yeah. Zach
1: Levine's 24 going on 25,
0: 24, 25. So they, I mean, they have, there's plenty of room for him to potentially grow into that. And you don't want to, you don't want to curb that if you think that he has the potential to do that. He's gotten better every single year. So you got to kind of lean into that and and hope that he can be your guy for the future. And and you hope that Kobe White blossoms into something that you can put alongside them. And then it's a matter of just, Hey, can we play some semblance of defense so that our team isn't getting outscored in every game?
1: And can we like keep the turnovers under 4,000 a game? Can we just like, maybe just try and do that a little bit. Yeah. Final final big one for you, broader NBA picture. I want to ask you a question about legacies and narrative. Now I want to ask you, I'm going to give you a list of players here. We were just talking about Damian Lillard a little bit. Yeah. And maybe not like the one that you would like to see win the title the most. But who perhaps needs an NBA championship to perhaps either cement or change the narrative of their legacy more? These are the players I'm gonna throw out for you. you got James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, our brother, our Greek, <laughs> our Greek brother, uh, Chris Paul, CP3, Joel Embiid, or Damian Lillard. Which one, in your opinion, throughout their career, is probably gonna need that NBA title more to change the narrative of how the general fan and how the the hoops had already looks at that player.
0: Well, I think for me the guy that all of them are in a similar category from one angle with that they don't have a championship, right? They are or or were at some time a top 10 player in the league, some of them top 5 players in the league. Um which in the modern NBA where it's so deep with talent like is really saying something. You've got guys that are going to compete if or have already destroyed records that are like NBA records. Talk about Harden has the most unassisted three point field goals made out of any player ever. That's unbelievable. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Maybe you should so pass. It's a
1: little dubious. Maybe, yeah. May, it's like, dubious maybe you should staff. pass.
0: Oh, okay. Now he starts to pass. Now he's leading the league in assists.
1: So, no, but the this, record, Alex, the record. <laughs> the
0: re- right. Right. Um, I mean, for me, the guy that jumps the most off the page would be Chris Paul because of he he's already classified as one of the best pure point guards to ever play the game of basketball he's already in that category he's behind steve nash because he's never won an mvp um steve nash won two, two MVPs. in a row back, yeah. back to back when when kobe bryant was at his prime um Chris Paul honestly should maybe have been heavily more more considered than he was one of the seasons where he was on New Orleans and he was absolutely tremendous and he took that team to the playoffs um but I think that it would just cement him as the second best point guard of all time second best pure point guard of all time behind the big o um if, if he won a championship and you're talking about like top 20 players of all time like legacy wise there which is pretty unbelievable. Um, all those guys, like, it would have a tremendous impact on them. But and, – and my gut says that Chris is not going to get there with this Suns roster. It's not a better roster than some of those Clippers rosters, and it's definitely not a better roster than that Rockets roster with, with he and James Harden. If he never pulled um, that
1: hamstring, uh, what was it, two or three seasons ago in that game six, if he hadn't pulled that yeah. hamstring, we might be – he wouldn't be maybe in this list. Who knows?
0: Right. Um, I do think that, like – Damian Lillard, he's kind of already started cementing the legacy, like his ability. Portland's gonna
1: love him forever, right? So maybe he doesn't need it that much.
0: He is just—I don't think there's anyone who doesn't like Damian Lillard except for me. Last week when he beat my Mavs and he hit like an icy thirty-footer with thirty seconds left in the game, he does. Um, Yeah, he does that (laughs) quite often. So. I just feel like that winning the, the playoff series, the look, like all of that especially has been amplified in social media, but um, he kind of doesn't have too much to prove to most basketball fans. Harden has a lot to prove obviously, but you know, you could, uh, there's, there's people that will say that no matter what happens with James Harden, he is maybe the the best offensive weapon that's ever touched the, the floor. So, I mean, I think Kevin Durant is, but I, I don't think that, James Harden is, but he's close, right? He's, he's definitely very close. Um, and he's going to be in, in 20 years when, if basketball reference is still a thing, people are going to be like, Oh my God, James Harden is unbelievable. Like he's going to put up. He's going to be one of those numbers.
1: guys that like 20 years from now, people are going to be like, so who was James Harden? You know right. what I mean? Like, so what we, and we're going to try and like describe him and be like, you know, yeah. really pass the ball. Then he got fat. You know what I mean? <laughs> like all all these other weird little stories and try and piece it together.
0: But I, yeah, I definitely think Chris Paul. Um, but again, all these guys completely outside of Dame, it completely changes their their overall narrative. But even Dame, like if he wins a championship, how are people going to talk about him? I think that almost immediately they're going to say he jumps Chris Paul. If he gets a championship, there's a, there's a good possibility. You have a great argument to, to make me believe that he jumps Chris Paul. Now with the championship, when Chris doesn't have one. Um, Joel Embiid what that would do for him, for his narrative.
1: I mean, it I mean, would just, and if he got one before Giannis, that's kind of why I threw him in that list a little bit. It would just kind of be that little bit of a pecking order sort of. Well, situation it's, it's kind of the before. idea that
0: like Giannis ultimately is a big man and he can't win because he's a big man because, or, or, you know, by himself because he's a big man. And if Joel Embiid does that as the best player on his team, it, it says something, um, you know, Shaq was the best player on his team when he won, but we really, and, and Tim, Timmy D was the best player on his team. But we haven't really seen a guy kind of take their team the entire way. The last guy to get close was Dwight. um, But that team did not belong in the finals. They were way outclassed. Um,
1: Yeah, I'm just really curious. I'm really curious about Harden on the Nets, as many people already are. But, you know, if he won a title on the nets, sure, you can knock him because he had KD and Kyrie. But are, are you getting that whiff of, I feel like we do this every single season with James Harden. Here's what we do. We start off the year and we go, James Harden can't win shit. About 20 to 30 games into the season, everyone goes, oh, my God, James Harden is phenomenal. He's incredible. He's one of the most fantastic offensive players we've ever seen. And then by the end of said season in the playoffs, he scores six points in a game five and a game six. And then we're right back where we were you know it's it's rinse it's it's like rinse and repeat with this guy over and over again well so like I, my question is if you want a title would that would that rinse and repeat cycle change for James Harden if he was able to do that
0: yeah I think him and Giannis are both in that same category of guys that are absolutely tremendous in the regular season but have not gotten it done in the playoffs and that holds a lot of weight when you're talking to basketball historians basketball current fans and it should because what's the point of the game you're playing to win an You're playing to win a championship. So um, I I think it should hold that amount of weight that it does. And yeah, James Harden. I mean, I don't know what happens like in the playoffs last year. He was not good. Um, it, It just like his powers get zapped from him like he's, you know, in Space Jam or something like that. But I, uh, yeah, it would be, it would mean a lot for him to win a championship. I mean, I think the better question is like who actually can do it, right? He's one of those guys this year that that next team, they can feasibly win a championship and same, obviously with the 76ers, they're leading the Easter conference. Um, I'd be, I'd be surprised if the Suns did, although their team is really, really good. And a lot of that is because of Chris Paul, um, and Devin Booker, of course, I'd be surprised if the Suns won. I'd be surprised if the Blazers won, I would be, um, I'd be surprised if the Bucks won. I just, it's really tough. Um,
1: they kind of had their shot. It, it feels, they feel a little bit like the Bulls, the Derrick Rose Bulls teams of what 2012, 2013, a little bit. Great regular season team have a singular star on that team. But when push comes to shove, is that the right kind of player that's going to help you right. push through in a series and, and just, I would be like even with Derrick Rose, Rose, Giannis. Yeah, you know, Derek just,
0: Rose feels more like that guy that you do need. Like, he feels closer to what you would want from that number one guy than Giannis is because at the end of the game, Giannis becomes really, really tough to. He doesn't to know how play. to get a
1: shot. Yeah. He doesn't know, yeah. you know, he, he wants to be this mid range guy when you should be pounding it on the inside. Maybe he forces it when he gets inside. It's just, he just doesn't know, like, how to, like, just, I don't know. Grab it by yeah. the tail in those moments and take care. Of uh, unless
0: his, unless his, you know, his partner in crime, his Robin, who I didn't mention, we were talking about the all-star game, but he Chris will Middleton. be an all-star. He will be an all-star reserve. Um, if he can step forward and kind of turn into the alpha in the last two minutes of the game for every single game, um, that would change things. I don't know. Drew holiday has been playing pretty well. Um, he started off slow, but we'll, we'll see. I just, something about that Bucks team, unfortunately never lends itself to to me believing they can win the title um so it, it, for your question posing which which of these guys can kind of change their their narrative it only looks like harden and, and B this year really can
1: yeah for this year specifically alex tesopolis my friend my producer thank you so much for joining believe in betting chicago today do us a favor real quick before you go uh, just tell the good people how to find the charity stripe either via twitter instagram all that stuff
0: yeah, well, if you want to listen to the pod, you can check it out wherever you get your podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify is my favorite. So you can listen to us at 1.2 speed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to find us on on social, it's just uh, at the charity stripe on, on Twitter and Instagram. And like Joey said, we have some great polls that are really fun. So go check those out on Instagram and, uh, and, and tell us your thoughts. We'd
1: love Alex, to. thank you so much for joining the show, man. Maybe we can do it again sometime. We'd love to. Thanks, Joey. This is the episode of Believe in Betting Chicago with Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Make sure you head there to get 50% off your first deposit. And also remember, they got a 24-hour casino there. It never closes, so make sure you check that out. Thank you so much for listening to the pod, you guys. We've got a couple more great pods coming up for you, so make sure you come back and listen. Until then, be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will talk soon. We've got to take a quick break here on Believe in Betting Chicago to talk about our new sponsor. It's eBay Sneakers. Now, whether you're rare, dead stock or the latest release, find the exact shoe you've been looking for right on eBay. Is the original sneaker marketplace, eBay is the place to go to cop the pair. You've been eyeing for a very, very long time. With eBay's authenticity guarantee, your sneakers are meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. A team of experienced sneaker authenticators verify the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Each sneaker also re- receives an authenticity guarantee tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity, and it also protects sellers with a verified return process. Did I say authentic enough? Because it is. And for sneaker sellers out there, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of over $100, making it free to sell or flip your collection. So what are you waiting for? Go to ebay.com sneakers today. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value and unique selection. Now back to the pod.